Welcome to Liberty in America, Past, Present, and Future with Dr. Bill Joby. Doc is a historian and a reenactor. On this show, you'll hear his thoughts about our personal liberties from their earliest recorded beginnings. You'll also be transported back to the 1750s to relive the life of Colonel George Washington and his adventures during the French and Indian War. Let's get started. Here's Dr. Bill Choby. Hello again, Dr. Bill Choby. Here we're on Liberty Lights, uh, episode number six. This is a uh, takeoff of my book, Liberty in America, Past, Present, and Future, and A Prescription for America. Uh, if you recall, over the past number of podcasts that we've done, we talked about the, uh, the beginning of American liberty and how it was put together through the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And I've, in preparing for this today, I, I, I was thinking back over during the Fourth of July holiday about how the, uh, specific parts of our liberties has been attacked by um, the media, by the lefties, and uh, even our foreign adversaries. And in wondering, so why is there this all-out assault on our liberties? And it reminded me back of when uh, Barack Obama, also known as Barry Soweto, who changed his name to become president, um, he said that he was going to fundamentally transform America without saying what uh, he was going to transform us to. Well, we're now seeing what he had in mind as it plays out in our public institutions, in our courts, and our legislatures and our TV screens with our mass media. I also recall that he once said that the people of Western Pennsylvania, where I, I live, uh, cling to our guns and our Bibles. And in doing so, he identified the safety belt of America because you cannot enslave a Bible-believing people and if they have the weapons to protect themselves from an oppressive government, it'd be very difficult for any government, foreign or otherwise, to take those rights away from those people. So what I'm, I want to do today is to try to condense down what our liberties actually are, what makes us uniquely American, and so that when the opportunity arrives, if you hear a news story or uh, some conversation about what somebody thinks the government should or shouldn't do, uh, you'll have a, a basic foundation of how to respond and at least to then research more. But if you have a working knowledge of, of little uh, thumb shells or thumbs uh, sketches in your head uh, as to what it is to be an American, you're, you're much better prepared to defend those liberties. Because as I said, we're under assault at all levels, and this is all part of a very um, well-organized and well-thought-out um, progression of the transformation of America, most specifically going back to Barack Obama. <clears throat> so let's start by going back and doing a backstory on what the liberties are about, the, the Bill of Rights. And uh, I think the best way to do that is to, to read the preamble to the Bill of Rights, I recall when the Constitution was passed, there was uh, many of the representatives present wanted some statement of uh, how the individuals, the individual rights of people would be protected from the government. And uh, that uh, led to the proposal 
and eventually adoption of uh, 10 amendments to the Constitution. So let me read this to put it in context and so that you have an understanding. I know some of this stuff's a little dull, but bear with me. I may not be the best reader, but I'll try. This is a preamble to the Bill of Rights. And it said, the convention of a number of the states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution expressed the desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added, as is extending the ground of public confidence in the government for best ensure the benefit ends of its institutions. Resolved by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, two-thirds of both houses concurring, that the following articles be proposed to the legislatures of the several states as amendments to the Constitution of the United States, all or any of which articles, when ratified by three-fourths of the said legislatures, to be valid for all intents and purposes as part of the Constitution. Articles in addition to amendments of the Constitution of the United States of America proposed by Congress and ratified by the legislatures of the several states pursuant to the fifth article of the original Constitution. So that First Amendment is really very important to put a foundation of what it is to be an American. And it states, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the rights of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Now, let's just break this down because there's a lot that's said in the uh, in the preamble there, and particularly about the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The uh, original idea was that uh, we didn't want to be like the Church of England where the king was also the head of the church, and we didn't want to have a national religion because there were many factions that were here, many denominations. But the word religion was of a different uh, understanding of what we have today. Uh, many people believe that establishment of religion by the state, or in other words, if the state or the, the so-called so uh, secular government had anything at all to do with any of the religions, then it was somehow uh, unconstitutional. But that not is just not the case. Um, it's been argued back and forth many, many times to the Supreme Court and to states, and uh, it kicked around forever. But there was, there are some things that uh, continue to persist about what if there is an understanding of those original, um, original clauses of the uh, establishment and uh, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The um, the idea of the establishment uh, by one particular um, religion or one particular denomination, I should say, uh, was abhorrent to the, the founders, and it's because there was a mix of the uh, the Church of England and the King of England, so somehow they wanted those things to be separate. And of course, I mentioned before, it was the Knights Templar that first proposed the idea of keeping religion and uh, uh, secular government uh, from impinging on one another. 
for the very sake of it, the um, in order for them to function uh, independently or, or to provide the needs of people, there had to be openness of discussion about not only the, the ideas of government, but also the, the ideas of what religion is. Uh, we know today our, our definition of religion is that there's uh, we're Buddhists or we're Hindus or Christians or Jews, uh, that sort of thing. But that was not the intent originally. The idea was to have free expression of conscience. So the uh, so part of the problem we have with the First Amendment is that we have a different interpretation of what comprises the word religion uh, versus to what was originally meant uh, when the Constitution was passed. But one thing was sure, they didn't want to have the government interfering with uh, with the um, individual churches. Uh, at the one time in Virginia, the, uh, the, the Virginia government actually collected the tax to, to be paid for the, excuse me, to be paid for the uh, the salaries of the of the clergy, and that kind of thing was, uh, of course, later discouraged because of the establishment clause. But it, there's also uh, variations of this today, where the, the state may be paying for uh, the books in a uh, a Catholic uh, school or something. So, lots of these issues have been kicked around over the years. But the bottom line is that the idea of having a free exercise of religion was that you had a free conscience in order to to uh, rule your lives upon what was thought of as being morally uh, sound uh, principles, and that the government could not force you into any kind of situation to where you had to just believe what they wanted you to believe. This has been worked on both ways, and you see oftentimes today with the, the anti-Christian attitudes out there that you can't say anything as a Christian. In fact, the only uh, group of people who really are regularly uh, persecuted, if you will, by the liberal press and by people in, in government, uh, it's the Christianity. And that is a violation of the free exercise of Christianity, and, it, and it's a violation of the First Amendment. So you have a right to to freely think and freely um, exercise your religion, no matter where it may be, whether it's in a public building or in some public venue. You still have a right uh, to exercise that through prayer or through some kind of uh, you know activity. So moving on to the next is the abridging. The freedom of speech. Now, a lot of people don't understand what freedom of speech actually means. Uh, this has to do with the government saying, you can't say this, you can't say that. And the most highly protected speech is that which is unpopular. Well, it's been said that all progress is due to the unreasonable man. Now, think about that from the standpoint of the freedom of speech. Uh, the, the person that comes up with a, an idea that, that uh, bucks the trend uh, and creates a paradigm shift in, in thought, particularly in science, and I've seen this myself, uh, somebody comes up with an idea, like say Einstein came up with an idea on the theory of relativity. Well, that is an example of a free exercise of speech in, in science. But the concept of what I'm getting at here is that 
it's the unpopular speech that has to be protected, particularly protected from the government censoring uh, any of that, that kind of speech that's against itself. Oh, in, in America, we're one of the few places in the world where we can criticize our president openly and not worry about being arrested and going to jail. It's uh, a more subtle restriction on the freedom of speech when the government uh, colludes, particularly the FBI and the DOJ, colludes with uh, social media in order to block the uh, dissemination of information that uh, was unpopular. And the most egregious example of this was prior to the 2020 elections when the information came out about Hunter Biden's laptop, which was was proven to be accurate, proven to be true, because it came out of the uh, uh, a New York paper, the New York Post, established by by the way by Alexander Hamilton so many years ago, and that that information was damning to Joe Biden. It would have cost him the election. So rather than allowing that unpopular speech to come forth, the government made a concerted effort to bury it and calling it disinformation and it's made up in Russian information or whatever. And that, that was a, uh, the consequence was that we had an election was not really based upon uh, a contemporary understanding of what was going on. And had that been studies have shown that up to 17% of those people that voted for Joe Biden would not have in the election would have been for, for Donald Trump. So in a sense, yes, the government interfered and yes, they caused the, uh, uh, they put their finger on the scale and we got a president that was really not representative of what the people felt. So the censorship is also a violation of the expression of free speech. Now, unfortunately, we continue to see this today because uh, there's uh, the major mainstream media uh, tends to think alike. They use the same phrases whenever they want to push a point. And I think it comes right out of the Democrat National Committee. They repeat it over and over and over again. If you run through the networks, you can see this, that the patterns that they're pushing these ideas. And this is mass propaganda. Now, the uh, free expression of speech uh, is fine. But when you have a coordinated effort in order to push an idea that's, that's a lie, well, it's contrary to uh, what, what we know or should know, then it violates that free speech uh, clause of the First Amendment. And that puts us to the next subsection here, the uh, freedom of speech or of the press. Now, the media or the press, at the time they didn't have radio and TV when it was press, but the press was the, the newspapers, the pamphlets, the and freedom, uh, free exercise of the press uh, basically meant that they were to be the watchdogs. Uh, they were the ones that were supposed to be the, the whistleblowers, if you will, on our government. The media is the only business, and it's a business, and they like people, they have ways they think about this or that. The only business that has protection of the United States Constitution. So that's a heavy uh, responsibility to be handled over to them. And with the expectation that people in the press would be patriotic enough to only print what they saw as truth. But with the censorship that's going on today through the major media, 
it, it has become propaganda. And unfortunately, uh, when you hear people say things like, well, Fox News or Newsmax, so they're crazy, they're white wing, whatever, white, right wing people are nuts, uh, tinfoil hat wearing people and all that sort of nonsense. Right away, that's that's a form of propaganda that was given to them by this constant repetition of the language that the left decides to use up or down against something uh, that they uh, oppose what they intend to do. So when you hear that, when you hear these things about the press, and you know inherently it doesn't sound right, but if you see it over and over again, coming from these different media sources, this is a violation of the First Amendment's free press. And somewhere along the line, I'm waiting for somebody to bring this case up to the Supreme Court and really push it. But it seems to be that they've had pretty much carte blanche to do anything they wanted to do over the years. But don't get me wrong, censorship is a form of violating of, of the freedom of the press and the freedom of the speech. And we see a lot of it. And it's unfortunate that we continue to see how the press is used, uh, particularly in the attacks on Donald Trump with the uh, the Mar-a-Lago debacle and uh, that uh, business in New York with supposedly uh, the woman who... Um, that Trump supposedly raped. I mean, this, those things were character assassinations. They were not rooted in real law. They were not re rooted in real evidence. It was just about to get the sensational uh, headlines out there and just continue to push the narrative or the propaganda that Donald Trump's a bad guy. That's not freedom of the press, and that's a violation of freedom of speech. So remember when you hear these things, this fundamental uh, principle of freedom is freedom of speech and, and the press and that this the mainstream media today in, in conjunction with social media and the the, uh, the government itself uh, through the agents who pretend to have something important to say with authority they are violating our free speech and so be aware of that this is how you can combat it once you know that you're not supposed to they're not really entitled to that uh, then you know that they're enhancing their position. They're taking power from us by uh, diminishing our freedoms, our freedom of speech and of the press. Now, the uh, the next part of the First Amendment, the right of the people to peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. You know, since the uh, uh, election, I guess, of 2022, uh, Governor Youngkin of Virginia was elected because the parents were objecting to the content of matters on school boards were pushing for it to teach the kids of these parents. And they gathered and uh, they, they, <laughs> they petitioned the, their government. They had the right to peaceably assemble. And, and it came to a point where many of these parents who were rightfully concerned and legally uh, exercising the First Amendment rights were arrested. It got to a point where the FBI and the Department of Justice was seeing these people as uh, a threat to uh, America, that we, they were domestic terrorists. Now, this is a violation of the First Amendment. Now, We see that in a lot of different areas of how the... Uh, the government has been taking a side on issues. Now you see, you know, like the Black Lives Matter, you see the Antifa, they can go, they can destroy property. And, and uh, particularly during COVID, 
while people couldn't uh, go to church or go out on the beach. Uh, and the government looked the other way because they were protesting this this essential right, as they thought. But they were also discriminating against others. So it shows that there was this uh, fundamental distrust towards people who wanted to exercise their legitimate free speech rights and to address their government. Uh, they were, there was suppression of that because the narrative wasn't the same. And this is all part of Barack Obama's uh, you know, method, method to uh, fundamentally transform America. This is how it's done. You have the bureaucracies out there, the IRS or the DOJ, as I said, and I'm sure the EPA is another one. They have a social uh, agenda. And because they are you know, the great big government, uh, few people can stand up to them. But when they do, they win. But this is that fundamental transformation of America. Remember, we can't have fundamental transformation of America without losing our freedoms, without losing our liberties. Might is right. We are in bondage. This is what they're doing. They're taking away our liberties. And here's where you can find out how they're doing it and how you can defend it. First Amendment is crucial. The Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, is uh, is equally important because it's, uh, well, uh, here it is, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The Second Amendment was a guarantee that if the government ever came after the liberties of people, they could defend themselves. Very simple. This is not about whether you're on a shotgun or a semi-automatic rifle. This is about protecting you and your family from big government. Big government coming in, violating your rights as further you know, defined in this uh, Bill of Rights and, and the First Amendment particularly, uh, that this was to keep them at bay. And so far it has. There's 350 million guns or so in America. And because we have guns, there's private ownership. And unfortunately, the criminals have guns too, and they're going to kill each other and do all kinds of bad stuff. But the vast majority of Americans are protected by that Second Amendment. It keeps the federal government and the state governments and even the local governments from abusing our liberties. It's a check on them. And some say a reset button on the Constitution. If it ever comes to a point where they come for guns, which I doubt they ever will, even though they're always trying and they're always you know, claiming with these mass uh, shootings that somehow or another they've got to have common sense gun control. And yet we look and see with the president's son that he violated a law with filling out a form for a, to own a firearm. And that should have been three to five years of jail. And he's going to get nothing. So while they cry for heavier gun laws, they don't enforce the ones we have. And yet, if you're the privileged class, you can get away with stuff that others cannot. Second Amendment is fundamental to the protection of our liberties. Whatever comes to this, push comes to shove. People have guns. And they can protect themselves from a government that's out of control. And fortunately, the government knows that. The Third Amendment is not so much relevant today, but it gives you the context of what these people were dealing with when this was founded. And it is, this has to do with British soldiers being housed in private homes. They were forced to do it. No soldier shall in the time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner 
nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. The British felt that we owed them something because they won the French and Indian War and they kept the Indians at bay and the French away. And therefore, we had to pay for it, not only with uh, onerous taxes, but with allowing their soldiers to stay in people's homes and be taken care of by them so that the uh, British government didn't have to pay for didn't have to provide for these soldiers with forts and stuff. They just stick them in people's homes. So it was a, it was a, uh, a matter that was widely uh, disseminated that uh, obviously, you know, imagine having some foreigner, some foreign soldier living in your house, maybe some mercenary soldier. <laughs> You wouldn't feel very secure in that, I can tell you that. The Fourth Amendment is another good one here. And um, it's it's really um, one of the reasons why I got involved with this stuff is because of that. I may have explained it before in another one of Liberty Lights. But it is the right of people to be secure in their possessions, businesses, houses, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. Basically, general warrants. Warrants were the general warrants were that you didn't have to have anything specific in mind when the government would come in to look for something. They just you know, kick down the door and uh, push everybody aside and go and look for whatever they want. They could put or even they could take or even put evidence in there to drag you away. Now, this happened during the time of the Revolutionary War, and this is why this came up as as an amendment like this. The the people who were the primary speakers for freedom were the the clergy. They they were called the Black Brigade because they were frequently talking about uh, things such as where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And, of course, that went against what uh, the the British government wanted to do. They they wanted to squash this idea of, of liberty and uh, force everybody into under the monarchy of, of Great Britain. So the um, with having people having to, to deal with these general warrants, uh, it would just be the opportunity for them to be uh, brought up on some kind of charges and, uh, and excuse me, the car going up the road, <laughs> brought up on charges and drug away. And, and oftentimes these clergy, unfortunately, were put on ships in the English uh, or in the East River of New York, and they were left to languish. And when eventually they would die, they would throw the bodies overboard and they would find a way to float over to uh, uh, the shores of Brooklyn. And the people over there would take these bodies. And there's a mass grave of over 300 bodies uh, today that's in Brooklyn that was uh, put there by the good people of Brooklyn who uh, took these bodies of, of people who were falsely arrested and died on their ships, the British ships for simply opposing the idea of the monarchy. Um, we see some of this going on today. And again, it's you need to be aware that these things are, are happening. And a lot of the people that supposedly were involved with that January 6th episode in Washington uh, in 2021, uh, there's a lot of them sitting in jail right now, languishing. Maybe they feed them, but they they don't have any due process rights. They don't have a right to a a speedy trial, which is another one of the guarantees of the Bill of Rights. They're just sitting there. Some have never been charged. 
This is what the British did to a lot of people that they did, they objected to during the Revolutionary War. We see what happened with uh, Mar-a-Lago. I mentioned this before. A general warrant breaking down the door, showing up armed agents, unrestricted access to anything and everything, digging through for what? Classified papers. I never said which classified paper they were looking for, just classified papers. So it could have been anything. They could have put it to themselves. They weren't allowed to be supervised. These are the same tactics of British soldiers about 250 years or so ago. We have to be vigilant against all these incursions into our privacy. Now, uh, without getting off too far off this, uh, the right of privacy was uh, the basis of the Roe versus Wade decision that led to the right of privacy of body. And uh, those, the, uh, the way the issue was, uh, was framed and discussed was not a legitimate discussion of what actually happened. But rather than going into the Roe versus Wade things, I'm just like to point out that those unborn Americans have privacy rights too. And for us to uh, uh, claim that we are Americans, that all men are created equal, then it's pretty clear that those little babies that are unborn also have equal protection or should have equal protection under our laws, even though it's a privacy thing, is there privacy involved too? But but for now, let's just talk about how the privacy of, of individuals um, are, are compromised by by governments. So we know that the, the police can't stop you just for anything and start digging through your car. Um, the police can't come busting into your house. They may suspect something, but there's a process to it. And there has to be evidence. And as a judge has to sign off on it and say, yes, this is what we see going on there. We need to go and do something to get somebody, arrest somebody, whatever have you. Those are legitimate exercises of the government that to violate the privacy of uh, American citizens. But also, there's other ways that that privacy can be violated. That it's not as violent or as uh, um, uh, damaging. And, and it can be like, for the example I gave, forcing everybody to dig up their sewer lines under their house. That's a violation of privacy. So we have to be careful because a lot of these issues that are going on today aren't as quite as obvious as it may have been uh, at the time of the general warrants and the British knocking down your door. So, uh, but there are little incursions uh, uh, that can be one on top of the other. Uh, it's a little here, a little there. The next thing you know, the hammer falls and they're telling you how to live and you're in bondage. Those might then becomes right. We have to know what the right is to become might if we're going to defend our freedoms. Now, the Fifth Amendment has to do with the um, taking of property by the government. And it's in a condensed form here, but I want to just give the essence of it. No person shall be deprived of their life, liberty, or property without due process of law. This has to do with federal uh, cases at the time. Later on, it became... Uh, nationalize, if you will, through the 14th Amendment and, and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. But the whole idea of due process is that uh, you have a right to see the evidence against you. You have a right to defend yourself against the accusers, that uh, a jury of your peers will do be the final ones to decide 
But if there's a process to it, and if, you, if the government doesn't follow that process, then they you can't be held liable for whatever they charge you, whether it be a crime or owing some money or something, some other dispute. There's a process, a process that allows you to defend yourself. Now, going back to Mr. Trump, he has been denied that so many times that you have to wonder, what are we doing here? And if his liberties can be that easily violated, Fifth Amendment rights, then who's next? You or I? Because once they start this and there's a precedent set and they build on that to continue their agenda, remember, the goal is to fundamentally transform America. This is one of the ways they're doing it. And the Sixth Amendment, it's in criminal prosecutions. The accused shall enjoy the right of a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state district whereas the case had been committed or the crime been committed. Speedy and public trial. Uh, think about this with Mr. Trump again, because it's the one we're all aware of. It's definitely not going to be speedy. They kick the can down the road. They wanted to go on doing it. Uh, the next campaign, the next election, so it can be used to sway public opinion, propaganda, if you will. Um, and it's certainly not going to be public where it should be. This should be all over TV when they do this thing. We watched O.J. Simpson trial, we should be able to see this, but there's a move by the government to keep this from being uh, made public, and they can only tell you that they're up to some nefarious trick to try to get him to become convicted so he can't run for president. But that right of expedient and uh, trial is extended to all Americans. One of our liberties we need to protect it, whether it be with Mr. Trump or anybody else. Um, sitting in jail like those guys are from January 6th without having a speedy trial or even an accusation in writing, they're just sitting there. So I'm going to have lawyers um, we can't tolerate this. And this is our DOJ, this is our FBI, and a lot of those guys from January 6th. If you look at the videos, you can see that they are in, intermingled with a lot of these uh, agitators in the crowd. You know, and they, although they say that the, the one officer had a, committed suicide when he was uh, after he got struck in the head or something with a fire hydrant. We've seen that to be false, thanks to Tucker Carlson's uh, videos that we saw several months ago. So they're lying to us. And because they're lying to us, we have Americans sitting in, in prison without their Sixth Amendment rights um, protecting them. But once again, it's the fundamental transformation of America by Barack Obama and his bunch. The uh, Seventh Amendment, um, in suits of common law, this has to do with uh, issues of, of property disputes. And then it can also be the right of a jury, things like that. It's not, not so much uh, today uh, being challenged, but it's out there. The Eighth Amendment, excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel or unjust punishment inflicted. Well, we see what happens how the um, fundamental transformation of America has led to the elimination of bail under the guise that it's excessive. Uh, so what has happened? Take the bail out of these cities on these criminals, they turn around and do it again. New York City, 
California, particularly San Francisco, Chicago, where there's this uh, extreme interpretation of excessive bail has led to more and more violent crime that could have been prevented had these people been had some bail put on them and kept out of the public while they were at a very dangerous stage. So here again, the liberties of America are threatened by the fundamental transformation of America by Barack Obama. The Ninth Amendment is to uh, the renumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So everything that's not in the Constitution, by the way, or the Bill of Rights, or the amendments, those powers are retained by the people. We, the people, we are the ultimate source of authority in America. And yet we have the, the ruling class, which tells us how we're supposed to think about this or that, whatever. Um, it's taking away that power. They're assuming that power is theirs, but it's ours. It's really ours. And we exercise that through the vote. Tenth Amendment is the power is not delegated to the U.S. Constitution or to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibitive by it to the states or reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. Remember, it was the states that created the federal government. The federal government was a, a, an infant child of the states designed to solve problems and of issues between the states and to have some national sense of security with uh, a navy and an army and such. But the rights of the people ultimately comes back uh, to the individuals, the numbers, the great numbers of people. And it was uh, by voting that uh, we exercise that right. Now we've seen what's happened with all the shenanigans that go on, the ballot box, uh, and with those last several elections, and with uh, the gerrymandering and all the games that are played, and basically politics becomes a food fight. Most people don't want to be bothered. They're sick and tired of negative ads. But what's really going on is distraction. What's really going on is they're pulling on emotional uh, heartstrings to make this guy or that guy look bad. And they're trying to paint their guy as being a good guy. Well, we have a president now, Mr. Biden, who won an election by sitting in his basement. He didn't campaign. He didn't shake hands. He didn't kiss babies. He didn't give contemporaneous uh, interviews. He just stood back there and his whole his whole bunch of minions and all the, the dark money behind it, including some foreign money, was then used to land blasts the Republican Donald Trump and other Republicans all over the country. That's not just Donald Trump. They would do it to anyone because, remember, they want to fundamentally transform America. And anybody that stands in their way has to be attacked. So if you put Ron DeSantis up there, they're going to do the same thing to him. Nikki Haley will do the same thing to him. Mike Pence, same thing to him. They want power. They want to keep it. And they want to fundamentally transform America by stomping on your liberties, as I've discussed here for you in the past uh, several minutes. So what do we do? Well, my proposal is, and I've been around politics for a long time as a candidate and as a student of government, uh, my master's degree in public administration, watching what the bureaucracy is doing and how they abuse all the, the statutes that created them. And most people don't know how to stand up to them. I've come to a point where there's only one solution that we have. 
And that is that we have to take down the major party that's doing this. This fundamental transformation of America, which now is going off in wokeness, those terms, that's Barack Obama. This is this was his uh, uh, immorality, immortality, I should say. This was how he was going to have this huge difference in the you know America. And a lot of people got behind him on it, including the media, and a lot of dark money, George Soros money, things like that. So we have to take that party down. We have to take the Democrats down. Well, you could say, well, there's some good Democrats out there. We have to vote for them. Like Joe Manchin's not such a bad guy in West Virginia, but he's a Democrat. And when push comes to shove, all the Democrats vote the same. On the critical issues, they vote the same. So I don't know what, what you call a good Democrat, except one that's good for the party, but not good for America. Certainly not morally good. See the stuff that they support, the killing of babies, uh, objections to people of faith. I mean, all the pressures against our liberties are coming from the left, and the left is the Democrat Party. The only solution we have is to boycott the entire Democrat Party from top to bottom, dog catcher, right up to the president. Just say no to all of them. All other attempts to try to do this, it's, it's nothing but a food fight. And although we have some popularity here or there, basically the, power, the hands of power rarely change in Washington because it's basically a food fight. We talked about how the 17th Amendment made it sure that the uh, the direct election of, of senators now became political rather than having some constraint on the federal government. You know what? They know what they were doing. It's ever since the creation of the Republic, they've been trying to change it. They didn't like the Constitution, so they try to find ways to defeat the Constitution. But it's all about power. It's all about money. Their ultimate goal is a dictatorship. And they'll start telling us what to do with our kids, as well they are already now. They're trying to. Uh, they'll tell us where we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to eat, what we're supposed to drink. And next thing you know, they're going to tell us, well, you can't use regular money. you got to use digital cash. Everything's got to be electric. But then, you know, when that happens... All it takes is a flip of the switch, and you're stuck. We have to boycott the entire Democrat Party, top to bottom. I'm not saying that is a radical tinfoil hat kind of crazy. This is a lot of thought going into this. I've watched it. It's sad to see what our country's become. It's sad to see the daily stories of how our liberties are being eroded by these people who are self-righteous, sanctimonious, uh, know-it-alls, experts, whatever have you, whether it's pushing a climate change garbage or whether it's COVID crap, you know, all we know what all that was about. So I'm asking all you Americans out there who care about our republic, our constitutional republic, to think serious about the proposal that I'm making. Boycott all Democrats. And when we're done showing them that we the people have the power, not them, if there's any rhinos out there who want to play that game too, we're going to turn on them. We might have to make a new party. That's after we get rid of the old. And I think they'll be more than reasonable once they start losing their cushy pensions and their nice little locations and their senator for life kind of positions. They're going to change real fast. Remember, the Ninth Amendment, we the people have the power. And we see what they're doing to our liberties, the rest of our Bill of Rights. 
We have the power. We need to exercise it. Boycott all Democrats. Remember, when might is right, people are in bondage. We're there. We're ready, we're there. When right is might, we're free. When right becomes wrong, and we see it all over the place with this gender crap and the girls, uh, the transgenders competing with women. It's all wrong stuff. We all in, in, inherently know that this is wrong. That's what she gets confusion. No other right or might prevails. What's it going to be? Boycott all Democrats. Okay, well, I hope I made my case to you today. Thank you for tuning in. Dr. Bill Choby here. Liberty in America, past, present, and future. This is Liberty Lights number six. Um, I wish I had better <laughs> things to say. Uh, because I love this country and I'm sure you do too. It's the greatest country in the history of the world. We've been blessed, abundantly blessed. We must preserve it. It's our duty. Just as the greatest generation defended us from war, Nazism, Japanese, it's our current generation's duty to defend us from the people within who are destroying our country, using our government against us. Okay, sign it off. Thanks for taking time to listen. Good night.